Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Self Love Club, a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm Val Crawford and you can find out more about why I've launched this club at valcrawford.com. I'd love for you to join it and trust me, it's not like a cult or pyramid scheme. It's literally just a club where you can come hang out. It's going to be a fun time. Join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives. We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self-love and self-care practices, and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Erin O'Hara got a science degree, then furthered her study to become a naturopath. She then competed internationally as a professional triathlete based in America for four years. Erin had a goal of setting up a wellness centre by the time she was 30. And when she moved back to New Zealand, she set up a yoga and meditation studio and natural medicine clinic when she was 29. Nailed it! Erin is super passionate about natural health and empowering people to live their best balanced lives. We are very lucky to have Erin share her inspiring story and professional advice on the Self Love Club podcast. Okay, Erin O'Hara, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. So tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Um, I own a studio called Golden Yogi, which is a yoga studio, teaches yoga, meditation, and also natural medicine, um, focusing on naturopathy. And I have other practitioners that also work out of the clinic room. Because you are a naturopath as well. That's what you first studied in? Yeah, so I did science and physiology first at Auckland Uni. That was my first kind of base degree that I did. And then I studied natural medicine um, and herbal medicine um, is what I did at South Pacific College. And that was my background and then took a break. Yeah. What made you go from, you know, studying like science, like medical, like, you know, the mainstream and then going to do naturopathy? Like what made you want to do that? Were you just more interested in that sort of field? Um, My goal actually when I was at high school was to go to med school and I got really sick when I was 17, um, had a lot of complications from, started with glandular fever, ended up with left foot drops, so um, had a lot of issues with my leg um, and diabetes insipidus and a whole lot of other health problems go wrong. Um, And that's when I started looking at a lot of other natural alternatives, trying to make myself healthy. And I lost a little bit of faith in the Um, mainstream medical system which meant I didn't want to study med school so I was like oh what do I do at university now yeah I'll just do a science degree and then I'll figure out what where to go next no that's cool I'm always about like I love you know naturopaths are great and you know doctors are great too but I always prefer to go that route because I feel like naturopaths look at things more holistically like look into problems a lot more than sometimes a doctor may do when you go to them with an issue so yeah I think we have a bit more time we're not pushing through patients as quickly although um medical doctors are really great at diagnosis amazing testing facilities that they have and diagnosing 
anything that's wrong or surgery or broken arms. They're great mm. for all those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, naturopath really looks at all the little things that sometimes get missed. And also there's sometimes really great alternatives to taking drugs um, and how you can change your lifestyle and improve your health, which is amazing. Yeah, and I think for a lot of women as well, you know, like who may have experienced like hormone imbalances or different health things that maybe their doctor hasn't been able to help them with, you must see a lot of clients with those sorts of things. And I know it does affect, affect a lot of women, you know, going through um, hormone, dis- uh, hormone imbalances like stress and things like that. Yeah. I see a huge amount of women for um, hormone imbalance problems. Um, also, any thyroid issues like Hashimoto's. I've seen a lot of those sort of um, cases in clinic. Um, and it's usually ones where they're a little bit, they get a bit lost of where to go to next. Sometimes all the blood tests are kind of coming back normal, but they don't feel normal. And that's where they keep looking for more answers and get more advanced testing done. Because functional medicine has a lot of tests that are not done through the mainstream medical system sometimes. So send tests over to the States. Um, we can get a little bit more in-depth um, understanding of what's going on in their bodies and then treat in a real specific way to get the results that we want. You've been doing it for a long time now as well. Yeah, so it's been a journey of mine since I was obviously a teenager and usually people have done a whole lot of other <laughs> things before finding natural medicine and natural health and yoga, but actually mine's been the reverse. I got into that and when I was 17 and it hasn't stopped and it's been my absolute 100% passion. It's all I do, all I read. (laughs) I own a whole library of collection of books, of health books and self-help books and you look (laughs) at my cupboard and you think, oh my gosh, you must have major issues. (laughs) But actually it's just what I like to read. I sit reading a book at the beach all about herbal medicine or um, you know, anything that's going to empower people. No, there's um, nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're passionate about it. And I think it's really amazing when people, um, you know, it's obviously what you were meant to do and you found that. So that's great. You know, I, I love when people are doing what they're meant to be doing. It's really quite cool to watch. Yeah, it's awesome because it really allows you to kind of live in the flow of life and things really seem really effortless, even if you are kind of doing a lot. Mm. It doesn't feel like a lot when you're doing something you love. Yeah, I totally agree with that because sometimes when you're not, it, things won't work out and you're like, oh, and then when you are, it's like, oh, this is actually not too bad. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I totally relate to that. So how did you decide so early on? Obviously you had some health problems and, you know, you decided, well, you knew you wanted to do medicine, but then you went about the natural sort of way. How did you decide growing up? Like, had you known for a long time what you wanted to do? Well, I first wanted to be a doctor and then when I was sick, I decided that I wanted to create something that would make people healthy. Um, And I wasn't really sure what that would be. And I did have a dream of owning a wellness center and I kind of set the goal that I'd do it before I was 30. And so when I went over to the States after I'd finished studying, I took a break to to race as a professional triathlete just to do something really random and different for um, four years. And then I kind of had this, still this goal in my mind that I wanted to get back to opening a wellness center um, and moved back and opened it when I was 29. <laughs> hey, well, look at that. You, you definitely achieved your goal. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so cool. And tell us more about the the triathlete, that four years in the States. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so um, my background was competitive swimming, and my dad was a great runner, so running was also a big passion of mine. And after everything that went on with my leg and couldn't do any sport for a while with being sick, I just had this mindset that I could do anything. And so when I started racing triathlon, the first race I did, I did really well. And so um, I just kind of 
decided, okay, well, may as well race. And I started dating a triathlete um, and he was traveling. So I started traveling with him and he was like, well, why don't you just start racing? So <laughs> that's kind of how I fell into racing as a professional triathlete. And I really loved it for a while. We traveled a lot um, for quite a few years and I always used to get top 10 every race. So as nice long as you're work. earning prize money, you're all good. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was really fun. It allowed me to see a lot of the world and build a different understanding. I think you learn a lot through traveling um, about different cultures. Um, I also learned about health as well and taking care of yourself um, with all the extreme sport because I used to race Ironman and half Ironmans, which yeah, are they're incredible. Extreme I, don't know, I don't know how people do those <laughs> races. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so hours of training, training six days a week, three sessions a day, 40 hours of training, 30 or 40 <laughs> hours of training. So it was pretty intense. So taking care of my body was really important still um, through that period as well. But I just kind of got to the end of racing I was a little bit brain bored mm. from all the training and not stimulated enough not using my brain every day just biking and running and swimming yeah um, and that's where I kind of needed to walk away from it and do something else yeah what were some travel highlights for you from getting to see a lot of the world through that um, I actually really love the States because I spent so much time there traveling through different areas. Love Austin, Texas, such a cute little um, city or big city. <laughs> um, and up in Boulder, we used to live a lot in Boulder and right up in the Rocky Mountains in the summer, up at 10,000 feet above sea level, which is incredible. So I've done a lot of traveling through those sort of areas. I also really love Asia. have a um, big affinity to go back to kind of learn and grow and experience Asia, especially I've been, I loved Malaysia, Korea. Um, always really nice. Love those hot climates too. Yeah. And so you, you say that, you know, with the triathlete stuff, I mean, you did that for quite a long time. So well done. And then you, you know, you just wanted to use your, your brain a bit more. Not that you probably weren't using it through your training. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot <laughs> of like mental work as well, getting through those. Yeah. Like, um, so then you came home and th is that when you set up your clinic? Yeah, so I yeah. came back and um, set up the studio. Um, so it's been seven and a half years ago now Yeah, um, since I've set the studio up. And it's just been a progression in itself. It's been the most incredible journey of surrendering, letting go, and letting it kind of grow in its own way. Um, when I moved back here, I teach a style of yoga known as kundalini yoga, and it's huge in the States. Mm. But when I moved back here, it was very well, it was not known at all. Yeah. So um, that's really where opening a studio kind of came in. I was like, well, where can I teach? I'll just open a studio. Yeah. Um, and I needed somewhere to run my clinic out of. So it kind of went hand in hand and opened up a studio. Did it take you long from when you got home? Like obviously you had this idea, this vision of what you wanted to do. Did it take you long to to make it all happen or was it kind of like a bit frustrating or how did that all work? It actually happened so effortlessly and much faster than I imagined because <laughs> my plan was to take it slowly, come back, get to know the community, teach the odd class and in five years' time open a studio. Yeah. And so it kind of, I got back the first year um, it was a little bit challenging finding places to teach. So I was like, well, I guess I've just I've been in a studio now since I'm looking for a clinic space. And it's just grown so fast. Yeah. So I'm already into my second studio and we now have wow. two studio rooms as well. So it's been incredible. Yeah. Um, and so much support from the community and people. I just love seeing people develop and grow and transform 
through their yoga practice and through working with them in clinic. Um, and it's so rewarding every day just being there and helping people on their journey of their own lives. Yeah, that is the really cool thing about yoga. I'm doing, I do a bit of it myself and it's like, it is quite a like journey for you sometimes, like without you realizing it, you're like, wow. Um, how did you get into yoga? Had you been doing it a long time or? I've been doing it a long time. I started it when I was 19. So it was kind of part of my plan from getting well. And so I started yoga. I was doing um, just some general yoga. And then I tried some Bikram, which I was really enthusiastic about. Yeah. But I didn't love the heat. So yeah. that was a bit of a struggle. Um, and then got into Ashtanga yoga, which is quite a physical practice. And I kind of didn't know there were lots of other styles of yoga until I moved to the States. And the the yoga there, especially in LA, is huge. And I guess um, that allowed me to experience a lot more with different types of yoga and see what I really liked. And I did my first Kundalini class and I was like, wow, what is this? Why have I never heard of it before? And I Google searched and I there was not really any teachers that taught it in New Zealand. So that's why I hadn't crossed paths with it before. Yeah. Um, and then from that sort of stage onwards, that's kind of all I've done every day. I get up and practice every morning really early in the morning. Yeah, what time um, are we talking? <laughs> I get up and practice at four o'clock. Wow. Yeah, it's like my key part of my day because wow. really self-care is so important to me from being a person who has been sick before that I always like to know that I'm pacing myself right, that I don't run myself into the ground mm. and looking after myself, my physical body, my mental state, my mind and my energy is really important and that's where – I don't do anything, including teach yoga, until I've done my own practice. Yeah, I think that's um, really cool. Yeah, so I'm really like, disciplined. Some people are a little bit resistant to it because they think, oh, so much, you know, quite um, rigid. But yeah. it's something that, for me, feels quite natural. Yeah. I, I look forward to it every morning. I just love it. So you don't be um, like, oh, no, my alarm's going off at 4 a.m. No. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's time to get up. And quite wow. often I'll wake up before the alarm as well. <laughs> and I get up and I actually walk to the studio, which is so nice to be outside. Oh, so you walk to the studio first and then do your practice? Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. So I walk and it's so quiet at that yeah. time. The birds aren't even awake. There's no cars. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I like it when it's rainy. I love it when it's the clear sky. I can see all the stars. And yeah. it's just a really nice way to start the day. It's so peaceful at that time. And, and once you're up, it's okay. Is there any reason that it's four o'clock? I mean, do you have classes after that? I usually teach at six. Yeah. But the main reason is actually that that's the most powerful time for meditation. Really? So if you're wanting to do meditation, they call it the ambrosial hours. And that's the time between four and seven in the morning. And you'll go deeper in meditation. And it's, it does, it is, it is, that is correct. Like you definitely do go deeper in your meditation practice if you practice early in the morning rather okay. than like 10 o'clock in the morning. That's a good tip. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I, I live in, um, where your practice is in Takapuna, I live in Takapuna. And I go, I, I love that early morning. I mean, I've got myself into it a bit more. Early mornings around that area, it's, I mean, a lot of places are beautiful, the birds, but not quite as early as you. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I love being out when there's no one really around. It's really nice and peaceful. It's You just can't, you can't really beat that time in the morning. And once you're up, you're fine. It's just sometimes getting yourself up can be a bit hard. Yeah, it's about getting up and doing something for yourself. And I think people quite often will wake up in the morning and the first thing they do is like check their emails while they're laying in bed or good on mm. social media. And it's not really like, it's not that positive 
in the way that you start your day. Mm. And I think that what we need to do is really nurture ourselves and take care of ourselves before we kind of help anyone else. Nearly like on an airplane, putting on your own, you know, oxygen mask before you help the people around you. And it's the same, like if we're doing things for ourselves to nurture ourselves and our soul, we're going to feel better for the day ahead rather than kind of getting up, looking at our emails, drinking a cup of coffee and trying to kind of drag our way through the day feeling exhausted. Yeah, and, and the sad thing is that's how like most people live their lives now. And like, I don't know, I'm quite mindful of it as well. I'm like, no, I don't want that to be like the first thing I do in the morning is check my phone, you know, like there's got to be better things to do than that. Yeah, I started a new thing recently in the last six months where I took email off my phone and I was like, you know what, do I really need to have email contact at all times at all parts of the day and I realized that even myself it had slipped into me checking my email you know during the day or if I'm sitting at the traffic lights I'll check my email and so I took it off my phone and it was interesting to see how much more productive I actually became because I wasn't wasting all those little moments reading emails that I actually wasn't replying to mm. and so I'd sit and I'd do emails in the morning and do emails in the evening in the afternoon and then the rest of the time I wouldn't be on email yeah and I found that it's been really amazing and I've actually kept on top of my emails better than I was before that's good yeah have you done the same with social media I'm uh, I'm on and off social media like I'm not a person that's addicted to checking social media I tend to go on and do social media and then you know, once or twice a day and I won't jump on all day. Because a lot of us now, like, we live on our phones and it's like, I'm again, I'm very mindful of that too and I have – I'll, I've like turned all my notifications off. I think I've that's deleted, a real key one. I've deleted some of the apps. I did that at the start of this year and I like, honestly, I love not having notifications now. I've deleted some of the apps and I, I don't know, um, like, I just find I, if I have social media free days, like I'll put my phone on airplane mode and honestly – it's the best feeling. I just, it reminds me of like growing up in, in the 90s and not have, like, it was so much better, you know? Like, it kind of makes me sad that we don't have that anymore. I know. It, we've, it's changed so much, society. And I think that's really where a lot of the stress is coming in because everyone's trying to keep up with this really fast track day to day life where everything's expected to be instant. Mm. Um, everything should be done yesterday or within the hour which is just not realistic. And I think that's how we've really changed from back in the day. You know, if you think about 50 years ago, we really only just had telephone and internet was probably, I don't know when internet started, but anyway, it wasn't around Mm. as much as it is now, that you just wouldn't spend a lot of time doing all those little jobs that we do now, whether it's, you know, important, you just do your actual physical job and not be tied to answering and replying and messaging and connecting, um, which connection is important, but connecting to real people is sometimes even more important. Yeah. Did you find with your emails not answering them all the time, I often find that people, like, with emails and, you know, messaging as well, people have an expectation that you're, like, contactable all the time and – it's hard to set those boundaries and like obviously you reply to them, but did you find it hard when, you know, you weren't like replying instantly to people, people getting frustrated with you? Not really. I think that it's nearly like part of me thinks that it should be a lesson that people should learn that things don't need to be urgent. Like sometimes 
when people email me and it says a- ASAP at the end and I read it and I'm like, that is not <laughs> urgent. And then nearly part of me thinks, no, I'm not going to reply today. I'm going to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> and I know that might seem a, bit, seem a little bit cruel, but it is, like, I'm just like, it's not that urgent. No, I totally agree. And I think people's idea of what's urgent and needs to be done immediately is kind of skewed from being always on the instant, on the go, needing stuff done yesterday, mm. um, which I like to kind of try and break that cycle. It's becoming a really big problem where people are so addicted to their phones and it's actually making us sick. And in the long term, it's going to make us so sick as we get so caught up in technology and our phones that we actually forget about real life and living. And that's going to um, just be a downward spiral for our health as well and it's becoming a bigger problem all the time I see in clinic the amount of people coming with mood disorders um, like anxiety and depression um, and stress problems with oh stress and to the point where it's causing them insomnia is huge and you know it's because they're so caught up in living in this instantaneous world that isn't the real world and that it's about stepping back and taking those moments, that time for actually connection to yourself. Do you think you see people like really making, like obviously some people will make changes for themselves, but overall like it's quite scary thinking about what will happen. I actually don't think we are really as mindful as we think we are. It's interesting that one of the biggest hit words at this day and age is mindfulness, (laughs) which is actually interesting because we do the absolute opposite to that most of the time most of the time even if you go to a cafe and you look there'll be a bunch especially under people under the age of 30 no offense um (laughs) but you'll see them meet up and they've got their phones on the table they're busy messaging not even talking to each other it's so weird and if you look at it as like a fly on the wall looking down seeing how we behave in this modern day world it is actually insane it's insane. And I think that until we realize how we're behaving and the effect it's having on us, we need to really be mindful of that. Then we can actually start to make some changes um, and be aware of what we're doing and the effect it really is having on our health um, because it can't continue. If it continues, we will have some major problems um, in the next 10 years with our health, with the amount of people getting onto medications and um just can't cope. What are some tips? Maybe people are wanting to, you know, have a bit of a break from or not being addicted to social media on their phone so much. Have you got any tips of what we could do? Or, I mean, I guess it's kind of simple at the end of the day, but we don't find it very simple, you know? Like, I think it's about like self care is really about finding time for yourself. And I think if we leave our phone off or just have it out of our way and the first thing in the morning and making time for yourself. Whether for you, your ritual is getting up and reading a book or going down for a walk down at the beach or um, listening to some music, dancing around your room, like whatever it is for you that really feeds your soul, that helps to set you up for your day. And I think it gets you out of that trap of just getting caught on, on your phone for the entire day that you've actually done something for yourself and you actually just have to make time for to make that happen. And like for me, that means I get up really early and I don't mind that. 
Um, but it's about making that time for yourself. And then I don't think you get so trapped into just being a, a, attached to the phone all the time or just turn it off like what you do, turn the notifications off, turn the phone off once mm. once a week. Like on Sunday, I just let the emails pile up. And it's funny because some people will message me twice. I'm just like, it's Sunday. For goodness sake. Leave me alone. Like, <laughs> let me chill. It's Sunday, so I just don't check it. So it doesn't matter if they email twice. I just check the both on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so good. No, totally. And people will, you know, often be like, I don't have time. It's like, I think that's like, yes, we're busy. And even the most busy people, not that it's a competition, although everyone likes to make out that it is, you know, people, if you, it's important to you, you'll make that time, right? Well, that's the thing. Like, the like, if you want something done, generally ask a busy person because they'll always have time. And my dad always said that to me. And it is so true. I've learned that as I've gone into my adult years. I've kind of learned that if you want something done, you just ask someone busy. They'll always get it done. And time management is something that we choose to manage our time however we want to manage it. We can either fit in a lot into our day or we can fluff around and get nothing done and not make time for ourselves. So um, sometimes it's a matter of making blocks of times where you kind of do work and then parts of your day you go and do something else. Like for me, I work a lot in the morning and then I hit lunchtime and I go and walk my friend's dog for an hour and I just go and do that and I turn the phone off. I usually leave it in the car and I just go for a walk for an hour Nobody can contact me. I go and get some fresh air and then I go back and kind of do a second part of the day. And I Mm. find that when you do that, you're actually more productive when you actually go and do your work rather than trying to kind of keep up, keep going, keep going, keep going, grinding along. You're actually not very productive at all. Your brain can't function and operate all day, every day. Like it needs time where you just kind of step back and take a break and taking that time and not feeling guilty about it. I think that's especially for mums, they feel really guilty if they take time for themselves, nearly like they're not being a good mum, but they're Mm. actually going to be a better mum if they actually do something for themselves and then they're really fresh for connecting with fully what they're doing with their child. Yeah, I have a lot of mums like – will message on Instagram and stuff and be like, you know, like, oh, I wish I had the time for self-care like you do or, like, I just don't get any of it anymore. And I feel for them because, I mean, I don't have children yet, so it's like I am lucky. But it's like I I wonder, like, there must be a way to sort of even just fit in little bits and pieces. And I know from being a non-mum, people are like, oh, you don't understand. But it's like surely there's, like, little bits and pieces of time where you can do things for yourself. Yeah, it's a matter of when um, baby's sleeping or even just going out for a walk and putting them in the stroller. Mm. And, like, they they love getting outside. And and you can actually put in some earphones and walk and listen to some music while you go for a walk. And it being your time as well. But I think it's changing your mental view of your time being just you. Yes. But yeah. actually making it you time, even though you've got, a, a you know, an extra person or two with you um, and trying to make, Get any moments you can, whether it's 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, they're asleep, sit down, breathe, meditate, instead of feeling like you've got to do all the household jobs. And quite often when mums do have time, they, instead of taking time to do things for themselves, they think, oh, no, I've got to do the washing, I've got to wash the dishes and all the other things around the house rather than just letting them be. They'll still be there in 15 minutes' time and actually taking time to whether you need to lay down have a rest, read a book, um, sit, lay in the sun, do some meditation, breathing, 
um, whatever it is that really fills up your bucket full of energy makes you feel good. Yeah, and like what are some tips? I mean, a lot of people do have, you know, not a lot, but most probably people have jobs where they're sitting at a desk for a long period of time, often like all day. Some people don't even take lunch breaks because they're like, oh, which is not, again, that's not very good self-care because you need to like take time to eat and like what are some tips of, you know, people who aren't able to take an hour or two out of the middle of your day just to help them through and live a more healthy, balanced lifestyle? Um, I think a lot of it comes into planning. So when it comes to things like nutrition, making sure you, you pre- prepare, prepare to look after yourself. So making sure you've got meals prepped to save time. Um, and then also just making sure you've got some time in the morning, whether it's setting your alarm 15 minutes earlier, and yes, you'll get a little bit less sleep, but actually giving yourself that extra time to do something for yourself. And that's something mums can sometimes do, um, is actually take that time before the whole family wakes up of having some peace and quiet and time to do something for themselves then. Um, and then during the day, like sitting, eating your lunch in front of a computer is not, you're not going to get much work done trying to type mm. one hand while you're eating lunch in the other hand. Like you're going to be very slow at getting work done. You'd be better off shutting the computer, walk away for 10 minutes and then come back. And you've actually saved yourself 10 minutes and you've actually given yourself time away from all the computer and um, all the screens that are right in front of you. You don't need that all day. It's not good for your eyes, not good for your mind. And then you're fresh. You can actually get more done. Yeah. And then uh, getting to bed early enough is the other thing, like making a bedtime ritual, like whether it's having a shower, listening to some quiet music, reading a book. Um, There's heaps of meditation apps, whether it's like Headspace or Calm, like something that you can do just to calm yourself, calm the nervous system so you can have a really good sleep. Because if you sleep well, you're going to feel better the next day. Totally. I think for a lot of people, it's like we get to bed too late and, you know, because we are wired all the time and on our phones and our computers and everything, like you go to bed and you're like, oh, can't sleep. You know, you're too wired to sleep. So I totally agree. Like a nighttime ritual is really important Yeah. Um, to making that happen. Yeah. Um. Now, like with you've given us some of your self-care practices and your tips and things. We'll touch more on that soon. But I just wanted to talk to you about like through everything you've achieved and what you're doing now and through, I guess, your journey in a way, has it been like a bit of a journey of like learning to really love and care for yourself? Have there been any challenges along the way of with yourself at all or things you've had to work out? Um, I think probably like for me, a lot of my self-care um, tools have been established so young. So they're my most important thing of my day. So I always prioritize them and always have done since I've been a teenager. So I, I always do things for myself first. And it might seem a little bit selfish, but that's just how I've always operated because I really care about my own health. So for me, I've always done those things before I do anything else in the day. I think ha- starting a business has had um, I'm not a person that gets really stressed out. I'm a little bit kind of fearless as well when it comes to starting a business. I kind of jump two feet in and I'm like, you know what? It's either going to work or it's not. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to go do something else. Wow. Um, so you kind of have to have that quiet, lighthearted spirit um, when it comes to starting a business. There were The part that probably has challenged me, challenged me more than anything has been managing staff. 
and knowing and working with different dynamics of people. And I think that's allowed me to, it's probably pushed me the hardest, but it's also, I've learned so much from it too. Like I've learned more than probably running a business is learned about people, managing people. Um, and I take my hat off for anyone who manages other staff members because, you know, there's so many challenges with it, with different dynamics of personalities and different levels of work ethics um, and different levels of care of what their expectations are. And it's been a really interesting one. It's probably been the one that's challenged me the most of like kind of working through, problem solving through a whole lot of other of little issues that pop up along the way. Apart from that, um, you know, everything's been pretty smooth sailing, I must say. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to um, hear. Yeah. You know, there hasn't been really any major dramas along the way that I can kind of think of. Um, everything's been relatively minor. And I think it's about having that kind of love and heart-centeredness towards what you're doing and then it kind of flows in its own flow. And that's probably one of my biggest beliefs about life in general is do what you love and if it's flowing, then you're in the right direction. Whenever there's too many roadblocks, it's nearly like you've taken a detour route that's the wrong detour um, and usually you've got to get back on track again. And so usually whenever I feel like there's some sort of resistance, I'm like, I always check into it. I'm like, okay, well, what is the problem here? What am I not listening to? Because mm. um, usually you know all the answers within yourself. And I have a really great business mentor, but it's interesting whenever I talk to them, if I have a little issue, they're always like, now, what do you think? What's your <laughs> intuition telling you? You know, because you do actually usually yeah. know all the answers and quite often we create the problems ourselves because we just overthink them rather than just letting them kind of solve themselves and, and actually follow through with what we actually believe is the right way to go. Um, and I think running a business is really like that is you've got to really let go and surrender into that flow of letting it evolve in its own natural way. Yeah, I think that's really amazing. I think it's quite brave too because a lot of people who own businesses might be like, well, you know, we've got to make money and they're stressed about that side of things. And yeah, I guess for you, knowing yourself so well, and I, I know that, you know, when you do meditation and really like your self-care is really good um, and, you know, you're practicing your yoga and everything you're doing, you know, you you do know yourself like the best when you're doing all those things and you have been for like most of your life. So yeah, you've got to trust yourself, right? Yeah, I think you get so much out of meditation in particular. Um, and I know it's something that sometimes people are quite resistant to. Like the biggest thing I hear is when I suggest to people, I'm like, oh, maybe you should do some mm. meditation. It'll help with your anxiety or whatever else is going on for them. And they're like, oh, no, my mind's too busy. I'm just like, <laughs> so you should do some meditation. <laughs> and I think that's the thing with meditation is that it, it is what it is and some days it's really amazing and you have a really incredible blissful experience and other days it'll challenge you and you'll have a lot of thoughts that'll pop up but really that's what the process is about it's about unloading the mind it's nearly like you're um, getting to the end of the day or the start of the day and you're kind of putting all your files away into the filing cabinets that they go and I always think of meditation a little bit like that, that if you do it regularly, then you've got less to process and it just kind of um, happens a lot more naturally. Where mm. if you're not doing it regularly, 
then you've got a lot more sorting to do. And it is a lot more, it's harder to do when yeah. you, you've got a lot more to sort out in your mind. Um, but I think that's probably my number one thing that has allowed me to just stay really stable and calm and and deal through a lot of any issues and problems and problem solving is actually having that self-practice of sitting, being. I love to chant, but sometimes I do breathing meditations as well. Um, but it just gives you that space to actually process. Yeah. No, that's the thing with meditation. Like people have this, I think some people have this idea that you just sit there and it's really hard. Like, yeah, sometimes it is hard, but it makes you so mentally clear and also mentally strong. Like when you're yeah. doing it every day, I've been doing it every day for quite a while now. Like, you know, not like forcing myself to it, but I actually really enjoy doing it. And I've found that I just deal with things a lot better and like my mind is just even stronger. It's um just from like a few moments a day, however long you can do it for. Yeah. And yes. I always love to describe it like showering, showering for the mind. Now, if I said to you, you're not going to shower for the next week, but on Sunday you can have a one hour shower, mm. you're going to feel really gross by the time you get to Sunday. But if you, if I said to you in comparison, you can have three minutes of shower every day, you're going to feel clean all week. And it's a little bit the same with meditation. Sometimes it's not so much about the quantity, but it's about that consistency of doing a little bit every day. And so even when people say they have no time, everyone has five minutes to kind of just tap out for five minutes and, and breathe and meditate, um, whatever variation of meditation that is for you, because there's so many types out there, whether it's mindfulness or you know chanting, breathing, pranayama, um, there's a lot out there is finding something and actually just taking that time and being consistent with it, like having your shower for your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, is that something you get a lot of your clients and suggest to people that you're doing classes with and stuff or are they sort of doing that through that anyway? Yeah, a lot of people do get into doing home practice. Um, in, in clinic, it depends on the person. Like, um, you know, you've got to work a little steps at a time and sometimes it's not the first place to start with. Um, you know, someone with insomnia or really bad anxiety, then it's something they should really work on. And it's going to be really uncomfortable at the start, but you've kind of got to go through those first stages of clearing out the clutter and and go through that hard part at the start to then have their relaxing experience later on hmm. um so yes I do use it a lot but I really just work on who it is and what's going to be right for them and also what type of meditation would be right for them too um because for some people they need more tools because the more tools you have it'll keep the mind quieter or if you just said if I said look you're going to just sit over there in the corner <laughs> for the next 10 minutes, like I can swear within like 10 seconds you'd be like, okay, what am I going to have for lunch today? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. What have I got to do today? And I'm going to goal set. And like goal setting and planning is not meditation. Like it's, <laughs> meditation is about emptying the mind to be in a space of nothing, what they call shunya, which means zero. And I think that letting, like actually having the tools is the most helpful thing, is actually knowing what you can do, what you're going to think about, whether you're going to think about following your breathing or, um, you know, so many techniques out there. It's about finding one that works for you. And I think that's probably the most helpful 
for people starting out meditation is try some different ones. Don't think you just try one type and be like, no, meditation's not for me. It might be not quite the right tools for you. Um, that keeps your mind quiet. So you need to kind of try out a few different ones. Yeah, and you've given us a lot of like advice and tips, but for a lot of people I know they are trying to be more mindful. They are trying to do, you you know, more yoga and, and meditation. How, like I think a lot of people find it quite overwhelming at first. They're like, oh, I need to do all these things and like there's obviously <laughs> so many other types of self-care as well. What would you suggest is a good starting point so people don't overwhelm themselves and looking after themselves? It's funny that you should say that because my yoga teacher, he got such in the ha- he was always in the habit of saying, "Do this every day." <laughs> and one day, um, someone added up all the things that he'd given to do every day, and you actually there's so many things that there's not enough hours in the mm. day to do them. And I think that's where it comes down to his whole concept of saying do this every day was not so everyone would do everything every day, <laughs> was more to keep encouraging you to do something. And I think that's where it's about starting with a little step, whether for you it's like getting up and making your rule that you're not allowed the phone on or check your emails till you get to work. Um, and that might be your easy self-help you know, tool for the day. Um, or sitting down and having a big cup of water with lemon juice in it, Um, or getting up and doing some breathing for five minutes and then moving on to your day. So I think it's about finding something that resonates with you and then making it a habit. So it becomes a little bit like brushing your teeth. I know that most people brush their teeth twice a day, and it just kind of happens in your routine. And I think if your self-help and self-care tools can kind of just happen in your day then you won't have to think about them too much and they'll just kind of slip into your everyday routine but at the start you've kind of got to set out whatever goal it is for you that you want to create the change and then just be nearly quite rigid about making sure that you do it because that and the discipline will help it to become a habit and then it will happen for you. Yeah, no, I love how you explain that. Thank you so much for all your help. How can people find you if they want to come see you in a clinic or come do yoga, which I think I want to come do some yoga classes at your studio. So how can we find you? Yeah. Um, Without sounding like stalkers, how can we find you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Golden Yogi is um, where I teach yoga, meditation, and also I work in the clinic there too. So you can jump online and find the website and see what classes are on and can flick me an email if you want. Awesome. Any questions? What was your website? Um, goldenyogi.co.nz. Perfect. Easy as. Thank you so much, Erin. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. A special thanks to Nick Baldwin, our audio engineer. Please subscribe for more episodes. We have some super empowering girl bosses coming up. To find out more about the Self Love Club for resources and blog posts, check out my website, bellcrawford.com, and you can follow me at bellcrawford on Instagram and Facebook. Catch you soon, babes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.